Morning, everyone. It's great to be together. God's on the move. Amen. I, I honestly, I love those stories of God's at work, transforming people's lives. God's healing people. It gets me excited. It's what we believe in. We don't. We've never believed that the kingdom of God breaking out around us is to just change people's moral behaviour. That is not the thrust of the Bible. The thrust of the Bible isn't just a ticket into heaven. That's true. God comes and transforms our behavior through his spirit. We call that sanctification. And he's at work in each one of us, causing us to become more like Jesus. But, and likewise, he has saved us into eternal life with him. But it's about the breaking out of the kingdom of God. That's what we're expecting. That's what we're excited about. That's what we're believing God for, that he will bring and transform a city, that he will come and, and change the very fabric of our society. He's already begun it with you and I in our lives. And so I love those stories. just want to pick up on something of Helen's story. I feel like I've been learning this morning even through stories. I feel like God's been teaching me this morning. And just as Helen was sharing her story, I, I have a bad back too. It's been an ongoing problem. And, and as we were chatting earlier this morning about Helen's back, I felt like God reminded me of when you have a bad back, it's something, or any injury really, if you carry an injury you begin to have a different kind of posture around that injury. The way you hold yourself, the way you move, the way you get up out of a chair or sit down into a chair or, or step from one foot onto another. Things that should be very natural for us suddenly become slow and heavy and guarded and it begins to change your posture. And after a while, you find yourself just naturally living out in this new posture. So what should be a natural, normal thing, just walking across the room without even thinking about it, suddenly becomes a heavy, stiff, defensive posture. When, you, when you're talking to somebody, you're always slightly on your guard in case your back catches or your foot gives way because of the pain. And you, and you find you're not quite in the moment with the person in front of you or the situation that you're in. And, and you can become very distracted. You know, God's a God who is... At work, he's a moving God. He's called us to be a a moving people. There should be a movement about the people of God. And I just wonder, even through those stories this morning, which of course we want to thank God and say, God, you, you are our healer. You're so wonderful. Your kingdom is breaking out. Yes, there's more we long for. But Lord, we will celebrate you for days of small beginnings, absolutely. But I just wonder this morning if maybe we've learned a, to live in a defensive posture. If there's something about us where the movement is slightly slow and painful, where we're we're scared to to follow the leading of the Spirit at times because, ouch, I've been there before and I I know if I move like that, it can cause me pain. I'll tell you some good news. God loves us far too much, Gateway, to leave us where we are. And not only that, he loves this city far too much to leave us where we are. God's a God who is... Moving, and I just wonder if we've learned some defensive postures to guard things. Maybe there were moments where we thought, oh, I'm not sure about that, and, but we've learned a defensive posture that God this morning wants to come and is a great massager of his spirit, as a great chiropractor to come and bring release in us as a body this morning. So I hope you're expectant. I hope you're anticipating 
God to come and move in life this morning. So I loved it when Mark said, are you ready? Are you excited to be worshipping God this morning? That is what we gather for, is it not? To come and encounter God. Not just to sing some songs, not just to meet your friends, not just to hear a preach, not just to be prayed for, but to encounter the living God. That's why we gather. It's because God is alive and, and there's something precious about the gathered body of Jesus Christ, which is, Jackie, it's so great when you say this wonderful family, this fantastic gateway family, it's how we should consider one another. God, you've placed me in this, that together we gather and, and somehow in your economy, God, you break in, in in a supernatural way and we encounter you, the living God. You see, this is unique in the town this morning. Yes, there are other outposts of the kingdom gathering, encountering God, but that's what's happening here. We don't just go to church. We come to encounter the living God. I've been mulling on a question these last few months, so I hope most of you will know that come the new year, we're about to multiply to two sites across Swindon. So here and over into the east of Swindon. We're looking forward to um, bringing an update on that soon this coming week as we do our term launch. But the question that's been living with me has been a question of what kind of culture are we going to multiply when we multiply? Because we're going to be multiplying, and it's not just another site that we'll be multiplying. We'll be replicating some kind of culture, some kind of posture, defensive or free-flowing. There'll be something about our culture that we multiply, and what we multiply will be a really good indicator to us of what we're really like as a community of God's people. Because what you multiply tells you more about who we are, what we think, what we believe, how adventurous we are, what kind of passion we have for the kingdom of God, than just an introspective, I'm trying to consider that. I think when we multiply, we'll, we'll see quite quickly and early on, what kind of people are we really? So we're going to be multiplying culture, uh, sorry, gateway very soon. And with that, as I said, will come this multiplying of culture. And so the question that's been on my mind is, God, what kind of culture are we multiplying? It's an important question. What Swindon does not need is it doesn't just need a church that just ticks a box of, we're here doing our thing on a Sunday We go home and then we live our lives the same as everybody else who who doesn't have God in their life. And really it doesn't make any difference. The east of Swindon doesn't need a church like that. The west of Swindon doesn't need a church like that. Swindon doesn't need a church like that. Swindon needs a church that's dynamic and responsive to the leading of God's spirit. And really this question about what are we multiplying was, sorry, what culture are we multiplying was triggered for me. A couple of months back, Nigel and I had the privilege of going to um, visit a church in Northern Ireland, Colrain, church, a vineyard church called Causeway Coast, where God is really doing some quite incredible stuff in the church there in terms of um, people responding to the gospel, the, their social action, the, their engagement with schools, seeing a, a whole community being transformed through the kingdom of God. Not so much what was happening on the Sunday. That wasn't really their key feature. That wasn't the exciting bit. It was what God was doing amongst his people out in their community. The impact that God was having. And the guy who leads the church there, Alan Scott, he just said, I've got a quick question for you to think about. I want you to jot down three things that define your culture of the church that you come from. 
Now, I hate those kind of questions because I am not the person that can go, that's easy, one, two, three. I'm the kind of person that goes, right, number one, and then I spend the next three months thinking about it. But it kind of struck me, and I was also surprised because I actually had an instantaneous answer to it, which I wasn't really expecting. And I just thought, oh, no, I'm in a mood right now. And that's why I'm thinking of that answer. The one thing I could put on my list of three was the word consumer. Ouch, bit of a low blow. The one word I could put on my list of what kind of culture are we was consumer. And I've tried to wrestle that through. God, was I just in a mood with somebody or us or me or something about that was happening at that time amongst us? Because it feels like quite a negative word. I think it is a pretty negative word for the people of God. But nevertheless, it's stuck with me. And I haven't been able to shake this sense that, guys, I, I wonder if we've learned the posture of consumer church. I wonder if We've stopped following the the leading of the Spirit. And our heart is good, but our expectation is far too low. We're happy to gather and to do the church thing, yet we don't understand that we've been called to gather together, to encounter God, to be refueled, refreshed, to build one another up, to be strengthened in faith that we might go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday... Thursday, Friday, Saturday, to be the people of God out in the city bringing life to the city. And I just wonder if we have got into the mode, if our position, or posture if you like, is one of consumer culture. And to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised because that's the culture that we live in. That's the world that we live in, isn't it? I don't need to tell you that. It is a consumer culture. Consume, 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 feed yourself, satisfy yourself, Get for yourself. Yet you look at the, the flow of the kingdom of God and it's an outward flow. It's a flow that goes from the temple of God outwards into the world. We're not here to bring moral change in people's lives. God will do that as he works by his spirit. We're here to bring life. As followers of Jesus as those who've encountered the grace of God and and had lives transformed and continually transformed, sharing stories one to another. Hey, let me tell you what God's done in my life. Let me tell you about the good things that God has done. And I want to testify to what God is doing, what God has done, that God is bringing life and light into darkness and places of death. And that's the story of the people of God. In... Ezekiel, it just reminded me of um, Ezekiel chapter 47. And you'll remember that there's a person who's showing Ezekiel the temple of God. And from under this temple threshold, Ezekiel, the, the person shows Ezekiel this, this trickle of water that begins to flow out from the temple. And this trickle of water flows outward and, and the person takes Ezekiel around the other side of the temple and leads him out of the temple and, and shows him this this river that's beginning to grow in size and in depth and it talks about this this increase this flo- this growing of the kingdom of god and he and he measures it off he's very accurate in his measuring and he's saying look the river starts ankle deep 
And then it goes to people's knees, and then it gets to the point of your waist, and then you find yourself swimming in this river. Just for a moment, I just wonder that river picture. I'd love you to read it. We haven't got time this morning, but I just wonder if that river picture is, for some of us, this is just my thinking. I'm not saying this is the interpretation of what that means, but some of us, we kind of say, yeah, I'm, I'm into the things of God. I've gone ankle deep. I tried knee deep once, but I, I got buffeted by the currents, and so I, I went back to ankle deep because I can have a defensive posture there. <coughs> It's not quite so scary. My, my footing's more firm in what God's doing. And some of us have gone knee deep and, and we tried waist deep and you find yourself being pushed downstream by the flow of the current and you, and you kind of say, I don't like that sense of being out of control. I don't like that sense of not choosing my own direction. And so we go back to knee deep because knee deep, at least I can kind of withstand the force of the flow of the river slightly. And then this river ends up that you just have to swim in it. You just have to go with the flow, if you like. You just have to lean into God and trust what he's doing in the advance of his kingdom. And I just wonder that this morning that God is saying, I want you to trust me. I want you to adapt a completely different posture. Defensive posture is never going to do it. The Bible says, doesn't it, that the kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing. There is this torrent of water that is flowing from the throne of heaven. And Jesus invites us, come drink, come swim, come and lean into me, come and throw yourselves into what I'm doing. I'm bringing life to this world. I'm bringing light into the darkness. And I just wonder this morning that Jesus is inviting us afresh through his spirit to to chuck ourselves in, to swim One of the things I was struck when we were at Causeway Coast was they were talking about their culture and their values and how they've worked that into their church. And they were talking about their kids kids group. I nearly made the mistake of calling it work. And that's a problem, isn't it? The way we think. A, a, A restrictive, locked up, wrong posture. It's not work. It's the leading of children into life. It's the leading of the children into the things of God. And I And they were talking about their kids group and I suddenly saw a different picture of what it means to raise our children. Bringing life to our children because they too are to bring life to this town. They too bring life into our school places, into our families, into us as a community. And they were talking about how after their meeting sometimes they do have times of prayer for healing and what they say is if you're sick we'd like you to go through to the children's rooms to the twos and fours and they will pray for you and you'll be healed and they said about how people would go through and parents would stand at the back of the room kind of hmm while their children laid hands on the sick and prayed for them and people were healed and in that moment I just thought God we've got the wrong kind of posture the wrong kind of expectation we're expecting if we move like that out something will go wrong it will hurt Something won't work or or we'll be broken. And I was struck and I thought, how low is our bar? How low? We've made it to, can we cover the kids' work? Can we cover the positions we need? Listen, our job is to raise and train our children to be full of the life of the kingdom of God. Full of the power of the Spirit. That our children from day one are, are those who've chosen to swim in that river of God's kingdom advance. That we don't say, hey, kids, you're small, better stay in the shallow, don't get too deep, don't want to lose you downstream. I wonder if God wants to 
give us a new posture this morning. And I wonder if part of that is about us learning to see prophetically afresh. Have a different perspective, a different outlook on what is to come. Because, of course, the prophetic pulls us into a preferred future. It pulls us into, oh God, this is what you're doing. Okay, we follow the leading of your spirit. I could put it like this, that we need to learn the culture of heaven and the expectation of heaven. Which is why, and by the way, I don't think, I don't think we're standing still right now. This, this has been great, hasn't it, these last couple of months as we've had people saying, hey, God has healed me. We prayed, we laid hands on people, and God has been at work healing people. That's absolutely fantastic. And we just go, God, but we know there's more. We're not going to despise the small beginnings or or the first fruits of this. But God, we know that there's more. We could stay ankle deep here. What you mean, the Bible really does say people can be raised from the dead and get up out of wheelchairs and the blind receive sight and the the deaf hear. Well, the Bible really does say that. There's more. There's more. We're not there. Let's not pretend we're not there. But we are seeing people healed. We're seeing God break out and God rescue and save people and God transforming lives and people's stories. But I think we need new, fresh, prophetic vision to see what God is doing. Let me just um, take us back for a moment to Ezekiel 47 in that temple picture. So the guys just led Ezekiel around showing him this river that gets so wide that no person can cross it. And he says to him, son of man, do you see this? And then the guy leads Ezekiel back to the bank of the river. And Ezekiel says, when I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah where it enters the sea. So it goes down into the Arabah where it empties into the Dead Sea, should I say. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there... Emma always tells me off how I say water and world, by the way, so apologies. just was in my head. I blame my parents. Um, The salty water becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Just finish it because it's so amazing. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to Eneglaim. There will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and, the heal- and their leaves for healing. You see, this river of God, this kingdom of God, it flows from the throne of, hem- of heaven. It flows from under the, begins at the threshold of the temple flowing outwards. And it doesn't just, I just want us to get this this morning, it doesn't bring moral, moral reform. It brings life. It causes dead places to begin to teem. 
Even those places that are dead begin to teem with life. Wherever the water goes, it brings life. And where, if, we're in that, if we're in that flow of the river, if we allow ourselves to be caught up in the purposes of God in our generation, by the way, the church is not dying in this nation. The kingdom of God is advancing. If we get, allow ourselves to get excited and caught up and have a prophetic vision of, oh yeah, just as Ezekiel was told, look, prophetically, it brings life to death. It brings light into the darkness. God's at work doing something, bringing life where there once was death. And if we allow ourselves to have this kind of prophetic vision, looking forward and to think, wow, our kids really can just be in, lo- in love with God afresh, have the Spirit of God poured out upon them, encountering Him, praying for people here, learning how to pray for the sick, see them healed, and then go into schools, and you try and stop a four-year-old praying for their friend in school. No teacher's going to dare do that. And they could bring, it doesn't necessarily need us to bring life into the schools. We've got plenty of children in the schools that can bring life to the school. If we allow our children to get swimming in the flow of what God's doing. Even, I love the picture of the the healing leaves that are on the trees and the healing of the nations and and. Even I just think of where Donna is right now in Burundi. And you could look at that and you could say that place currently, you could look at it and say there's an inability to sustain life. If you carry on on that path, it leads to increased death and destruction. Yet the flow of the kingdom of God, the flow of that river will bring life into that place. And I find I have to look at Burundi with a prophetic eyesight and say, but God will. God will bring life. God will turn a nation. God will cause hearts to be and lives to be transformed. God will lift the poor and the broken and the needy out from the pit. And he will lift them up. He's the lifter of broken heads. I I have to remind myself, God, that's what you're like. That's why we're there. It's, It's crazy if you look at it through human economy, isn't it? But I believe God wants to use Burundi to fuel us. Hey, we need the kingdom of God to break out here in our own place here in Swindon, here in our own streets and homes. The question is, how? And I wonder if learning this culture of heaven, kind of going, okay, God, we're going to trust that you bring life, but yet you're going to use us, but you do that by inviting us into what you're doing to have a prophet-like vision of, of, oh yeah, we're the people of God, remember? There's a purpose why we're here, to be caught up in the things of God in our generation. When you, when you want to immerse yourself in a culture, you don't become Spanish by just speaking the language. You don't become Spanish by just kind of going, I like paella. You don't become Spanish by, by having a nice tan. Or not even by living there or going there on holiday. You become Spanish when the desires of that culture, the longings of that culture, the posture, if you like, of that culture, the mindset and understandings that are innate to that culture become your longings, your posture, your desire, your thoughts, your outlook on life. And when that becomes your take on life, then you know you've become Spanish. Whether your name's Pedro or Colin... 
It's more about what's within you. Getting hold of the kingdom of heaven afresh and allowing God to break off from us consumer churches by allowing the longings and desires of heaven to become our longings and desires. At one level, it's so simple. But I think there needs to be a breaking for, to, for a making to happen in us. And so we pray for the sick. Yeah, but what if they don't get healed? No, but God does heal. But he does heal. And so we don't give up. We don't stop because we're not seeing what we want yet. We press in more so because we look prophetically and say, but there's life that comes in this river. You could, somebody could stand on the bank and see the life, but that's not what it means to be in the kingdom of God. To be in the kingdom of God means you're part of the solution bringing life. It's the only reason right now you are breathing on planet earth as it is and not the new heavens and new earth because God uses fish to catch fish. Because this river, the reason it's a river is because God is in the business of fishing. And he's caught you and I to say, go tell people, jump in my net. Go and lead them to life. Go and say, hey, this is, you're you're living in salty dead water, Swindon, Burundi. You're existing in salty dead water, but there's life in abundance. Let me tell you my story of the greatest fisherman. And there's an invitation that says, have heaven's perspective on what it means to be alive today, follower of Jesus. And we're going to press into this over the coming weeks as we begin to look at the person and the work of the Spirit. That's where we're going over these next couple of months because I, I, it's foundational to us, the person of the Holy Spirit. We can't move on from the Spirit. We started by the Spirit. We continue by the Spirit. We end in the Spirit. And, and there's a verse I've just been reading recently, just saying, God, I, I think this is part of the solution to our consumer issue. And the verse is in Romans chapter 12, verse 11. The NRV translation puts it like this. Never... Be lacking in zeal. Have a posture that's zealous. Don't have a posture that's whatever. Don't have a posture that's consumer. Don't have a posture that's that of the world. Have a posture that's never lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor follower of Jesus. Don't be lacking in zeal. Don't have... Don't have a, a, a lackluster approach to your walk with Jesus, but, but be zealous for God. Keep, guard, pursue, hold on to your zeal for God. Remember that first love when I first believed. I don't know about you, but those moments when, when you just know you're in that river and there's something about, wow, God. There's something about you. You go home from gathering with God's people and you say things like, I was so glad I made the decision to go and be with the people of God this morning. God used it to build me up and strengthen and encourage me. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serve the Lord. Hey, I wonder if this consumer posture that we've developed is because we read that and we read into it this serving church. Never be lacking in zeal. Turn up to church. This is how I think it goes sometimes in our head. 
But keep your spiritual fervor. Occasionally put your hands in the air like you just don't care. Serve the Lord. Get out there on the car park team, somebody, please, because we desperately need a car park server. I think sometimes we read into that posture of being a a small picture, a low bar, low expectation, a non-kingdom understanding. How do we maintain spiritual fervor? In Luke 2, we see Jesus is brought to the temple by Mary and Joseph, as was custom. And he's presented in the temple. And in the temple is a couple of older folk called Simeon and Anna. And I trust you, you know the story. I'm just going to jump so they've bought him, they've bought a sacrifice, as was custom, as was expected, by the law. And it says this in chapter 2 of Luke, it says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for the ousting of the Romans and the reestablishment of a king on the throne in Jerusalem. Just to ask you, what are you waiting for? Simeon. He was religious and devout. Don't read into that the way we use religious. He was a man who loved God. He was a man who was faithful to the things of God in his generation. And he was waiting. I just wonder what you're waiting for. What's your expectation? What's your prophetic vision of what God has you here for? And I'm sure some of us will say, I'm not waiting for anything. I'm just doing life. I'm waiting for a promotion. It's not a bad thing. I'm waiting for my new car. We're having building work done on our new house at the moment, and we're waiting for that to be done so that we can move in. And I I realize, gosh, it crowds into our thinking and speech a lot. I'm like, God, am I waiting for just a house right now? Is that all my expectation is? It had been revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. The Holy Spirit was on this guy. In the Old Testament, there were very few people that had the privilege of having the Holy Spirit upon them. It wasn't poured out for everybody. There were very few that were marked out as carriers of the Holy Spirit. Hey, we're the other side of the cross where the Spirit has been poured out. And each one of us are carriers of the presence of God. We all have that privilege. Not some in the church, but every follower of Jesus has the privilege of being able to say, Christ in me the hope of glory, through his spirit at work, transforming, bringing life, giving gifts, bringing me power and boldness in the spirit. Let's not take the Holy Spirit for granted. And Simeon was moved by the spirit to go to the temple courts. Listen, I don't think he was just in some spiritual hypnosis state of kind of going, oh, Oh, I'm just the Holy Spirit. He's just leading me to, he's leading me to Sunday. I just, oh, I'm just gonna go and worship. Oh God, and in this, oh, and I'm just gonna prophesy over everybody. He was just a guy who had the Spirit of God upon him. Yes, there's times when God encounters us powerfully, but we're not after weird isms in the Holy Spirit. We're after encounter with the living God. Galatians. Chapter 5, verse 13 puts it like this. Keep in step with the Spirit. 
That's what I believe Simeon was doing. He was a man who walked in step with the Spirit, just like a couple who were dancing in step, in time, in time to the music, staying in step. If you're not in step, if you're not in time, when you dance like me, you look ridiculous. Or think of a military marching band. How important is it that they are in step one with another so that they can move and be fluid and look impressive and, and have this great music that they form? If you have somebody out of, out, of, out of step, that's the one thing you notice, isn't it? When you see a military band, the one person that's out of step, trying to get back into step, that's the one thing you notice. But hey, Simeon was just walking in step with the Spirit following the leading of the Spirit, and said to him, Hey, go to temple, Simeon. When, the parents, when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to do for him what was the custom that the law required, Simeon took him in his arms, praising God, said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, may you now dismiss your servant in peace. He was living with a prophetic promise. Hey, God, you told me. You spoke to me. You said, I will see. And now I've seen. Now I've beheld. He was expecting... Who knows how long he'd been living with that promise over his life. That destiny in that moment was fulfilled. He said, now God, I've seen, I can go in peace, I can depart in peace. I'm not locked up by fear of death. Jesus has overcome that. Hey, follower of Jesus, don't be fearful of death. It is crippling. If you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, the only thing I can say to you is fear death. Fear death. Fear that you don't walk out of those doors and get smacked by a bus as you leave. The good news is you don't have to fear death because Christ has overcome it. Don't fear death. Be like Simeon. Hey, I can depart in peace. Fear is crippling in the Christian life. My eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. To me, that, makes me, that reminds me of that Ezekiel picture of the river. You showed me something that was just a trickle, and now I'm seeing it flooding out to the nations, bringing life. Hey, this guy in his older age was pursuing God. He was hungry for God. He blesses the child and the mum and dad, I love that in the community of God, that encouragement, that sense of blessing. Well done. You're doing well. Keep going. Just want to encourage you. That's what we should be like as a people. And he said this, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul to Mary. Mary, as you look upon your son hanging on that cross with a crown of thorns, your soul will be pierced. Hey, Mary, for you, there is going to be suffering as you watch your son, the savior of the world, crucified for the sins of many. Listen to this. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Peniel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. This If you are going to lunch on Tuesday, this is good news for you, okay? She was very old. She had lived with her husband for seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe 60 years she had lived as a widow. 
She had lived as a widow for 60 years. Her husband was Christ. And listen to this. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, Moses and, I'm sorry, Joseph and Mary and Jesus, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. She too had prophetic vision. She spotted something in the spirit. She was following God. She was pursuing him. She was trusting him. She, she made her dwelling in the temple. She probably had lodgings there. And as people came, she prayed for them and she, she ministered with them. Not, not this long ongoing prayer, but just this thing of blessing and, and laying a hand of blessing upon them. Building them up, encouraging them, setting, setting an example of what it means to be a follower of Jesus all the days of my life. Hey, it's great for the guys that have just come off Alpha who are saying, let me tell you about what Jesus has done. But I, if I was their friend they didn't believe in Jesus, I would be saying, okay, tell me in a few years if you're still walking with him or not. Hey, but what about Anna? 84 years old, a widow for 60 odd years, still worshipping, still pursuing. When she says, let me tell you about my life and how faithful God has been to it. I don't know about you, but I want to listen to that. I want to have an example set, a kind of culture that says, teach me how to maintain spiritual fervor for God. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child, that's Jesus, grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. Guys, I, I believe that God wants to break consumer culture from us. You see, we're here not for ourselves That's not how it works in the kingdom of God. Yes, we're blessed, but we're blessed to be a blessing. Yes, we've received new life, but so that we might be fresh water to many who are living in dead, salty water. But we're here to get caught up in the purposes of God. We are here for the lost in Swindon and the nations of the world. And if you don't like that, there's a door. There's plenty of churches that are not after the lost. I'm not having a go. They just are. It's true. That is not who we are. The danger is, just saying we're for the lost doesn't make us for the lost. We can just say those things. It's the right things to say. The question is, are you guarding zeal in your heart for the person of Jesus Christ? For the kingdom of God advancing in and around your sphere wherever you are? Sunday morning, coming in, expectant to encounter the living God. To be a blessing and to be blessed by the people, this great community. Or are you just doing the thing and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you worry just as much as the world worries. You worry about the same things, forgetting that you have a heavenly father in heaven. Who's got your back, who's got everything you need who will never leave you or forsake you, who has all the resource that you need to live this life he's called you to so you don't have to worry about what you'll eat, what you'll wear, or where you live. He's got you so that you can give yourself, that you can jump in and trust him. So I want to pray right now. Let's stand. Please, can I just encourage you, come on Wednesday evening if you can make it. I want us to pray into this. I want us to... 
do business with God. I want us to encounter God in a fresh way. Wasn't it great when Angela was here the other week and she, she talked about that unblocking of the well. And if you weren't here, I just want to tell you, every single person in this room was prayed for and was praying for others and prophesying over people with expectation. And for some people, they had to learn to walk because they're not used to being prayed for. Or they don't like to pray for people or prophesy. And so it's funny watching some people because spiritually, I knew what was going on inside. They're saying, I normally kind of, my posture is to avoid that stuff, but I'm being made to, not that anybody was made to, I'm being encouraged in the spirit to walk. And you could tell this is how people were feeling inside as they were walking along. Oh, I hate this kind of thing, but I'm kind of being dragged along in this river, this current that's pushing my legs. I'm trying to hold my feet firm and not move, not go with the things of God. But I tell you, in that moment, a release came amongst us. We need to guard the zeal. We need to pursue that. We need to be brave to pray for the sick and say, you might not be healed, but, but I know a man who does heal. His name's Jesus and he's God. We need to believe that as you go out into the world, it's not, this isn't the river, this little place here. This is an outpost. This is a place, this is like a little pool by the side so that you can go wherever you are tomorrow and bring life in your place of work or influence or at college or school. So Father, I pray that right now you would do something new and dynamic in us in these days. Lord, that you would fashion in us a desire for the kingdom of heaven to break out. We're after an encounter with your spirit. We're after the empowerment of your spirit. We're after the joy of your spirit at work within us. We thank you for your son, Christ Jesus, heavenly father. We thank you. We thank you that you said, come and drink from me, anyone who's thirsty. And I, I, will, I, will, I will refresh you. I will quench that thirst eternally. And from your inmost being, Outwards will flow that stream of living water. And we thank you. The invitation this morning is come, jump in. Come, drink. Come and experience life in the kingdom. Come and have a go. Uh, And I ask right now, Heavenly Father, that through your spirit you would do a work of, of, of breaking off consumer mentality on us as a church. And that you would release us into kingdom releases. Into men and women, young and old. From the youngest through to the eldest who have a passion for the kingdom of God to advance in our generation. And so we invite you come. We bid you come. We pray that there would be a spreading out and a deepening of your kingdom in our town, in our day, in our generation. For those of you who are older, I want to say, well done. Keep running after him. Keep praying, worshipping, blessing, having prophetic sight to see. For you guys who are younger in this room right now, maybe young in faith or, or young in years, I want to say to you, the only way is to be a swimmer in the kingdom of God, is to get fully in, is to do a bare grills and jump right in, is to live an adventure with the king and his kingdom. And so we say, Holy Spirit, this is a work that you do within us. You do it. So we invite you, come, we bid you, come. And I just pray, even as we go from this place, you would say, yep, I'm talking to you this morning. So we pray, help us in these things. Come, Holy Spirit. Gateway, I just pray for you, go full of the Spirit. Go with joy and peace, not condemnation, but prophetic sight to see there's more. And God is going to do it in these days. 
that he's, a, he's commissioned you to go and bring life, to be a bearer of light in a dark place. And so, Heavenly Father, we bless what you're doing through your spirit in these days. And we say, help us to follow the leading of your spirit, to be in step with your spirit. We pray this for our joy. We pray this for the deep satisfaction of our souls and for the glory of your name and for those who are still living in darkness. Amen.